Welcome to our weekly devotional. This week, I'm looking at Revelation 19 and some themes that come out here. We're ending the year, which means many of us are ending the year of one year through the Bible. And so obviously, Revelation is the last book of the New Testament that we'll be reading. But in, in the one I use, you go through both the Old Testament and the New Testament together. So I'm also finishing up the minor prophets. And we see some similar themes. I really appreciate going through those minor prophets and Revelation at the same time, because you see how much Revelation draws from those. And really just this overarching theme, which is that they will know I am God. And God's work in the world, when he judges the world, it's not simply, or it isn't at all, vengeance or payback in the human sense, uh, God getting somebody but we see an act of God calling people to know who he is, humans who have turned aside. And as we come to Revelation 19, we're going to get a picture. We, we have this uh, praising God for the end of Babylon the Great. And uh, the fear of God is mentioned. You who fear him, small and greater to praise God. And part of the fear of the Lord is seeing how that system, which set itself up against God, has been destroyed. And then we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Really history ending with this wedding. Christ, who gave himself for the church to be washed as a bride. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. You might look at Psalm 45, which, which uh, recounts some of this as well. And says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When, when you have a wedding coming up and you get invited, you feel kind of special, like you're included in the group. And imagine this, being invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. And then we have this picture. This is what I especially was drawn my attention to this week of the rider on the white horse beginning in verse 11. And then I saw heaven opened and behold, a rider on a white horse. Now, when you're reading uh, the book of Revelation, this phrase, and then I saw, is usually the transition to a new vision. So here we have a transition to a new vision about the rider. And this rider is one that is called faithful and true. And he judges uh, in righteousness and makes war. Now, listen to this description. His eyes are like a flame of fire on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. That was mentioned in one of the uh, letters to the churches. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he's called is the word of God. So here we have the word of God. Identified also with the lamb of God who has been sacrificed. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure are following him on white horses. Now this is going to describe what some people think of as the last battle. But here's how it's fought. The word of God fights with a sword coming out of his mouth with which to strike down the nations. Now, you don't normally defeat nations with a sword between your teeth. You would shatter your teeth if we take this literally, in the, in a, or I should say uh, physically, uh, instead of, no, this is the word of God. And the word of God, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, demolishes all strongholds. And he rules with a rod of iron. Nothing that he does can be changed. There's a direct connection between sin and death and his judgment on the world. And then you get this phrase, 
made famous from our battle hymn of the Republic. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has written a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, so you've got that picture before, and I want you to have that in your mind as we go now to this next part. There's an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice. He called to all the birds that fly directly overhead and said, come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. So you have in other words, this picture of a, of a total destruction of the enemy. And they're not even, no one's even there to bury the dead or clean up. The birds are just gorging themselves. I read a description this week of a, a person remembering a great battle in American history and his people having been attacked and destroyed and seeing the total destruction of it and the loss of all of their plans and hopes. And you would think that here, right? This is the total destruction of the opponent, but for what purpose? Toward what aim? Uh, simply domination? No, this is the purpose of good overcoming evil. And this is a conquest by the word of God. So it's using physical descriptions for a spiritual battle. We don't ever forget that. Then he saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. Notice they're coming out to make war also. And the beast was captured and the false prophet who was in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and who's worshiped its image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Now we can talk later about, all right, this is describing hell, but these aren't things that can be thrown into a physical lake of fire. So what is hell? But this is what I wanted to draw attention to. I was building up to this. Verse 21. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Now, it just made me wonder, this is some, some kind of thinking out loud. If you're being slain by the sword that comes out of his mouth, which is the word of God, you're already spiritually dead, and then you're being killed to spiritual death. These had been persons that were deceived by the false prophet, and that system is being destroyed by the word of God. So I'm just wondering if by being killed to it, this is a description of being converted to the word of God. Now, it might also be taken as they're destroyed. Like I mentioned the verse 2 Corinthians 10.5. So you might say, no, this is just all of those pretensions are being destroyed. And that's true as well. The word of God does that. But what happens when that is done is the persons who hold those, they either go into greater darkness because now they don't even have their pretensions to cover themselves, they're just exposed, or they convert. And we see examples of both, for, for instance, in the book of Acts. So taking that imagery, being slain by the word of God, by that sword that comes out of that's is a very different depiction than the usual depiction of Armageddon and the end and how things work. And I think one of the unfortunate side effects of that normal picture is that it keeps us from being engaged in this. Who do you think is this army that goes out with him as he's conquering? Armies of heaven, you might think, oh, that's just the angels. No, no, that's not the angels. Christians are in the kingdom of heaven. 
And they're to go out with the word of God. And how often that hasn't been the case. They've not themselves known the word of God. And here, if you've, if you've uh, come to this and you haven't gone over John chapter one, you may not know what the word of God is. You might think that means just the scripture. So it's worth going back to the word of God and taking some time to look at what is, uh, or John chapter one and see what is the word of God. So our devotion this week, as the year comes to an end and we're finishing up the book of Revelation, reflecting on the end of history and how good overcomes evil.